Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sinclair. And this is the Howdy Boozy time. I said that. I said Howdy Boozy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt good about it. How'd you, you feel about that, Drew? I mean, it's not resonating with me if you think that there's like a Howdy Boozy that like resonates with other people. Maybe I'm too young for you. That was never a question. Anyway, what how's your day from? going? What is it from? What is Howdy Boozy from? I made it up. Oh, I'm really clever. Are you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this plays a lot about you, like your like your marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, try, am... I'm trying to get season two off to like a fucking or season two, season four. <laughs> it's a uh, oh it's a strange God. it's a strange time. Welcome um, everybody. You are in for it tonight. Apparently, we are just like we're on one. I think that I think over the past couple of hours has been really indicative of what this podcast is going to be because like I was um, I was getting myself a tasty beverage at the local watering hole and um, it's not close to the hub of Sacramento. It's actually closer to my house up uh, up a little bit north and like two of two of our mutual friends walked in and I was like, what are you guys doing here? Let's definitely drink for the next three hours. And that's exactly what happened. And then I had to walk myself back home and now we're doing this this podcast. And then as our guest knows, she had to deal with my my three and a half year old daughter. And then now it's really funny. I was watching you know, the intro go down and my, my German shepherd here to the left of me looked visibly disappointed about how things were going with the intro of the podcast. Now, obviously she cannot hear it, but she could feel it and proof positive that dogs have these like level. Luna's a judgy bitch, man. She, uh, she is, she is. She was like sprawling. She was like clawing at the door, like "Get me out of here! I can't do this anymore." It's not my fault. Um, she just doesn't under. She doesn't appreciate <laughs> genius. Clearly, no. But I mean, I think it's. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm really. I'm really excited about kind of what we're doing. And we were talking about with our guests earlier today. Like, so, you know, we're we're at a point now where we're recording episodes kind of sporadically. Right. Like we're 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 getting reached out to by a lot of great people. We're reaching out to a lot of great people. And it's kind of like, let's fit them in here. Let's fit them in here. Um, and it's awesome because we've now opened ourselves up to a much wider sample size of like people that we want to talk to and a lot of like really great people that we get, to, you know, that we get to conversate with. And, you know, I mean, this is, and this is ranging anywhere from we typically record at 9 p.m on a Monday night, right? Like a very dad friendly time period. And then we have things scheduled for 9 a.m. in the next couple of weeks. And so I, I'm excited to see how it goes, but I also think that the person that we're talking to is going to make a lot of sense. And and I think this is what happens when your podcast is in, what is it, 23 different countries? Yeah, right? we're in 23, man. Which is which is We're wild. officially a big like, deal. Well, I, I mean, I've been telling that. people that I'm a big deal for years, uh, but now right. I have data right. to back it up. 
yeah, there's definitely um, there's some measurable uh, you know numbers there, and I think that what's what's really exciting about tonight's podcast is that our guest reached out to us and being like, I want to be on the podcast, which is hilarious. Cause it was like, we want you on the podcast. Like, I don't even know why you put yourself out there to be vulnerable, but now we're in the power. <laughs> we're in the, we're, we're in the power position. So like, we're going to take it and we're going to run with it. Um, and it was funny cause it actually took me a couple of weeks to respond because I don't necessarily always take the, um, the Instagram very seriously. And so I don't, wasn't looking at it. And so I kind of felt bad. And there was also, it ended up being one of those situations where it wasn't just like a, like a not checking your Instagram, but it was also like a hidden message on Instagram because like Instagram's trying to protect you from, I guess, pyramid schemes or whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> what it was was that you, you had not hit and hit follow on their account and therefore it was a hidden message. And what makes okay. this best is, is watching, watching her reaction to this entire conversation. The fact that she's been yeah. silent this whole time. And she's like, she's like laughing, like, like making hand gestures, rolling her eyes at drew specifically, not me. Uh, and, and doing okay. a great so I'll job. Say this. So let, me, let me say this is like this person. I not only follow them, but I follow their professional account. The situation with the good bottle account is that we only follow people who have been guests on the show. So now she will be followed as well as her brand will be followed. But before she was not followed because we only do that. And I don't think that we can sugarcoat this um, anymore. The person that we have on the podcast tonight is someone that from the first time that I met her, I would just was like, I was like, this person needs to be on our podcast. And I felt like I was really pushing hard for it for a long time. And Chris was better friends with her than I was. And then it wasn't coming to fruition. And I was just, I was, I was like, am I being a creepy person for wanting this person on the podcast? Yes. And then what well, maybe very possibly, uh, and then eventually she did reach out and be like, I want to be on the podcast. I was like, fuck yeah. So tonight, our guest is Devin Trevathian, who wow, is from Viva Spirits. Up. You fucked that. How'd you fuck that up? Like, we even practiced this before <laughs> hitting record. How'd you fuck up her name? Devin, how do we say your name? Trevathan. We talked about this. Trevathan. Danny. It, Danny dog. Trevathan. God. He's a linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Anyway. You know that. You got that right. Say her, anyway, say her name again. Drew, say her name say again. Say my name. Trevathan. Yes. Woo! This is very frustrating. Yeah. There's a there's now a soundbite for this. Um, but <laughs> I love that. Guys, I'm so happy to be here. That was very hard to not talk that whole time. You but did, I felt you like did that was the right job. thing to do. It, that was I think I, it was hard. I, I had do to, like, think that's the hardest part where like punch. we're just like rambling and you're just sitting there kind of being like, yes, take this on the chin. Especially so. as you, Drew, just dug yourself deeper and deeper <laughs> into a hole that you barely brought yourself back out of at the end. I don't know whether or not it's a good excuse that you don't follow people who have not yet been on the podcast. Podcast, it feels like it could create some potential difficult situations where they're trying to reach out to you. But I mean, 
all that is to say, I am so much bigger already. I am personally offended (laughs) by what went down. I mean, I don't think that there's. I don't think there's any doubt. I will cry about it later. There's, there's, there. Listen, there's no doubt in this world that that between Chris and I, we are doing this the wrong way. There's no doubt. Yeah, that, you know, that holds up. That is one thing I knew for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and yet I you're still the, here, which is pretty incredible. And yet I'm here. And I, I think the, there wasn't a lot of like pressure because I know that you guys are kind of you know throwing caution to the wind and just trying it out, seeing what happens, succeeding nonetheless. Well, here's the that's thing: what it is, is like twenty three I mean, countries, guys. You're international. We're, we're have, legitimately succeeding in spite of how it. much we don't do right. Like that's the amazing thing. It's incredible. I also have no shame to watch. So like the, the level of just trying and seeing what happens, like it's not really a thing I care, care about. Like I'm, yeah, I I don't, I I don't feel shame on the level of like, Hey, maybe this fails. I'm like, Oh, oh, well, there's another thing that failed. All right, here we go. I, I mean, I, I, have to so agree nice. with that. I think I think that's the motivation, right? Is that we looked at this as a situation where we just were having these conversations anyway. So why not put them into the airways? Like, if you really want to be embarrassed, like you go to like episode one of the Good Bottle Podcast, you're kind of yeah, like, don't, what don't a do bunch that. of yeah. fucking dick noses. Um, do not that. to say that, not to say that we necessarily have it figured out now, but I do think that we've kind of like focus in on a little bit more of like what we're trying to do. And when we bring in certain people and we bring in the guests that we do, like, it's just, I mean, it's just fun. I mean, you know, like um, (laughs) I guess insider baseball is that we were, we released the first episode of of season four today, which was with uh, our guest Wayne Curtis, which was amazing. And I had so many people reach out to me via text message and, and um messenger kind of be like like that was really awesome like and that's what we want like we want people to be really stoked on on what we're doing and i also think that when we take somebody like you Devin, who is doing this like super rad project that we're going to get a little bit more into in a second like people are going to find out why you're so rad but it's like when we take this platform that you know, it's not crazy out of control, but it's like, it's enough to the point where like people are interested in talking to us and people are interested in following us. Like it's really fun. And, and I think that's um, ultimately what we were trying to do. Like we, I mean, I, I mean, even now as we start to build momentum, like we're not fucking retiring on this gig. Like this is just a situation and this is a scenario and a platform that gives us an excuse to reach out to people who we think are rad to talk to us for a little bit of an extended period. And if we can do it with friends like you who are also doing things that are rad, like, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, that's just a win-win across the board. It's so cool. with that, so with that said, cool. um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit um, about what you're doing. And then most importantly, what are you drinking right now? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, So my name is Devin Trevathan. I am the co-founder and co-owner and president of (laughs) Liba Spirits. Uh, Nomadic. I don't know why I just laughed when I said my company name. It's not funny to me. (laughs) It's Liba Spirits. It's a very legitimate company. It's very serious. Um, It's it's very serious. We're very serious there. We never never joke. We do not joke. Um, 
so yeah, I, I co-founded a company a couple of years ago, actually at the very start of 2020 called Liba Spirits. It's a nomadic distilling operation. So me and my business partner, we go all over the world. We rent time and space in other people's facilities, kind of like moonlight distilling, ghost distilling type of deal. And we use hyper-regional, you know, as local as we can get kind of ingredients and practices to make spirits that have kind of a sense of the place where they were made. We want our spirits to be connected to the place where we made them. And so far, it's worked out despite launching a nomadic distilling company right before like three weeks before the pandemic hit, which was kind of hilarious irony. But it's been fun. It's been a ride. We made a gin in southern Austria in the Alps that is beautiful. And then we made a New Orleans rum, botanical rum. And that is actually what I am drinking right now. So I'm sorry. I don't know if this has happened before, but on one episode, Chris was drinking Lafcadio, our botanical rum. And I am now also drinking Lafcadio, our <laughs> botanical rum. Sorry, to do a repeat. I, uh, I, I was actually planning on drinking it uh, tonight, and then I forgot it my uh bottle at work so that would have been nice some synergy there but it's not i'm not just drinking this so i'm drinking our you're you're double fisting i'm actually triple fisting um so i have it's what we call responsible in exactly right very (laughs) impressive um (laughs) this in a glass with uh, some uh, falernum made by my friends at Maggie's Farm in Pittsburgh. Insanely good. Amazing. Amazing. Their falernum is the best. It makes velvet falernum look like trash. Listen, that's also, just, just just to be fair, that's a $16 bottle, so there's a little bit to kind of, you know, just to be Compares. fair. Yeah, to, apples to and oranges. It <laughs> yeah, is, it is an apples it was, and oranges situation. I just want to throw that out there. Like, like by the way, and there's the definitely a craft Fuller. product here versus a mass-produced product. Oh, it's a, a, apples, apples and Minute Maid. Apples and Minute Maid. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Okay, cool. Yes. That's a very good comparison. Um, there, and also, I will say that their Falernum is a bitch to make because they zest the limes by hand. Mm-hmm. All of the lime that goes into their falernum is zested by hand, which sounds just like, I mean, peeling is a pain in the ass. We've pan peeled all the citrus we used in our products. And I am the peeling queen. I take that role seriously, a title that I've bestowed well, Devin, upon myself. Can I, can I ask you this? Like, you know, you're talking yeah. about this peeling. You're talking about this extra effort. I'm, I, we probably have a couple listeners or a lot of listeners are like, what the hell is falernum and why is that a big deal that you're peeling them by hand? Yeah. Okay. Falernum is, it's uh, from Barbados, right? I don't, we haven't made a falernum yet. I would definitely like to, but it is a Bayesian liqueur that I think can have a couple of different ingredients. I think lime is not uncommon. Almond can be in there. Um, ginger but the falernum made by maggie's farm has lime fresh lime fresh ginger clove and they use cane sugar to to sweeten it to liqueur levels but it's beautiful really nice like sharp gorgeous citrus notes as well as some a little bit of spiciness in there from the clove and pretty essential to a lot of like rum drinks and more specifically 
uh, tiki. tiki drinks. Like you're going to see a yeah. lot of falernum called for in a lot of uh, big time. You know, again, coming coming down to like the most popular one or most well known one is going to be the John D. Taylor, which is out of Barbados, which is made by uh, Richard Seal. You know, yes, that genuine character that the guy is, and he's super cool. I got is to he? see him. He's nice to me. He was nice to me. I got to see him do a, a talk and um at some rum festival in Sydney, Australia. And he was, you know, he had that like rumpled guyness about him. Like his shirt was a little bit off to the side and his hair was like kind of flopping over. And I was just like, you don't, you're not worried about a thing, are you? You're yeah, he's clearly someone, rum. you know, who would block people on Facebook for legitimate questions. Um, Chris, what are you drinking? <laughs> Wait, did he block you on Facebook? No comment. Okay. Yes. Because they called Drew, him out for being hypocritical. Drew gets, Love it. Drew gets, uh, apparently that's the theme. Does of, Drew get uh, feisty? Uh, does he get feisty? Drew was born on feisty. Facebook. On fi- I'm, I'm sorry. Does Drew get feisty on Facebook? It's hashtag stay angry. That's what it <laughs> hashtag is. feisty on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That could be the name of your autobiography. <laughs> I mean, if it, if, it, if it comes a day when Icedy people need it, it's good. That's a great alliteration. Yeah. I mean, people will remember that. True, I'm so proud of you. I wish I had the chutzpah to get feisty on Facebook, but I, I, I will. I don't. Chris I don't, mentioned before that he has no shame. I'm like all shame. Every single think, thing that I do, I'm like, oh, is this good? <laughs> I think it depends. I mean, like I, I, I think, I think, unfortunately, like you're, you know. Um, you're in a position where you're representing this really rad product, right? You know, mm. between this gin and this rum that we've, that Chris and I both have and, and, and absolutely love. And so you're trying to like, kind of like, you know, go along to get along. And then, um, you know, I think over the past couple of years, I've just been in a position where I've been empowered by the people who signed my paychecks to be like, be fucking you and that's yeah. a very unique position to be in this industry. And um, I've tried to be better about it over the past couple of years. But I think if anybody has listened to this podcast for longer than three minutes knows that I'm not succeeding at that. And, um, you know, I I had a conversation actually, oddly enough, today about just how sometimes bars can take advantage of suppliers and things like that and how certain suppliers are in positions where they have to entertain these completely ludicrous plants, right? Where it's like, okay, cool. We're asking for $5,000. And they're like, great. How many cases do you want? They're like five. And you're kind of like, that does not make sense for anybody in any situation ever. And if you're one of these big suppliers, like you have to sit there and you kind of have to placate them to a certain degree without completely dunking on them. And I was joking with that supplier today. I was like, you walk so I can run. And when (laughs) that person says five cases, I say, go fuck yourself, you know? And, you know, the bigger companies can't do that because there's, there's too much at stake. There's an HR. We don't even have an HR at my company. So it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the amount of lawsuits I could have, I could have had, you know, five years in, you know, countless. put it on my tab. Um, just put it on my lawsuit tab yeah so i i mean it's it's a different it's a different it's a different world that that i get to live in and then i also think that chris gets to live in right so chris 
is the person that everyone's trying to sell on stuff. And, and I think there's definitely been a maturation over the past two years of like, you know, running the bottle shop and stuff like that. But I think it's really interesting to watch him deal with people and to watch him deal with reps who either get it or who hundred percent don't get it and what he's trying to do. So, I mean, obviously Chris can talk a little bit more to that. Um, yeah, Chris, is your time. head too big now? Cause all these reps keep coming in there and trying to like stroke your ego, tell you how beautiful you are, how lovely your shop is, all that stuff. No, I just, I like, I, I, I lived up to, uh, where my ego was already. <laughs> it's nothing new. This is like, I just, that seems accurate. I just like, I leveled up. That's it. And so, yeah. Like, you it's, brought it's self-actualization. The circumstance. That's right. I, right. You brought the circumstance of your life up to meet your ego. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was manifest destiny all the way. Really. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking because I didn't have Lofgadio and I uh, was staring at my. I love the way you pronounce that, by the way. You really added zhuzh to it. That's that's lovely. Is it correct? Am, no, I say, it. am I saying it in a way that's not? I don't. Well, I mean, honestly, it's not a name. So we named it after this writer who is based in New Orleans called Lafcadio Hearn. Hearn. Yeah. Who has a very interesting. Yeah, he's I mean, some people know him. He's pretty famous, but died, you know, like in the early 1900s. So not necessarily on everybody's radar currently, but had a really interesting life story and you don't hear that name said a lot. I read it so many times, but you didn't hear it before I, we named the bottle after it, the name, the product in here a lot. So I would say like Lafcadio is as appropriate as Lafcadio. What do I say? And, and is, it, is it, it's Lafcadio Kern? Hearn. Is that the guy's Hearn. name? Hearn. 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 H-E-A-R-N. So you're yeah. like, you're, so you're sitting here as an unknown brand and you're kind of yes. like Lafcadio Hearn, and you're like, fuck all Americans. We're going with Lafcadio. This is the name of our rum. Like that's what your thought process was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hearn didn't really quite have the same ring to it as Lafcadio. Right, it didn't have the zest. Yeah. It didn't have the. It didn't, it didn't have, have the. The feeling, if you will. Exactly, like the the way it rolls off the tongue. It's a beautiful word. Didn't think it would be quite so. It does catch people when they see it. They definitely do that thing where they like kind of like pause to read it again to make sure that they're pronouncing it correctly. But I think that Chris, your pronunciation what do, is what do I say versus on. what you say? I say Lafcadio. You say like Lafcadio, and I've always said I guess Lafcadio hit the A a little bit. Like, it reminds me of the Brooklyn Nine Nine, like Nikolash versus Nikolash. Nikolash. Okay, well, and and, I, and and Chris and Chris, we need to get to we need to get to you and to what to what you're drinking. But that's true. Yes. I know we've one of well, but, but, but one of the, but one of the things that that I keep thinking of as Devin is talking is that like there was a point a few weeks before the world shut down where her and her partner were thinking to themselves like, you know what this world needs a traveler gin and rum. In the most obscure, like, I mean, two, I mean, one category that is completely saturated and then yep. another category that is completely underappreciated, right? Yeah. And Trying I think that, you, know how we're, you know how we're going to retire is we're going to make rum, but not only are we <laughs> yeah. going to make rum, 
we're going to infuse the shit out of it <laughs> with yeah. Yeah. incredibly, incredibly terroir specific botanicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's it. But I think that. Million dollar idea. I, this, I mean, I think the thing Cash that, that I. that check, baby. Yeah. And, and, and again, like I'm, I'm on board. Like I remember <laughs> seeing. Me too. I, uh. Yeah. I, we, we, we sat, we honestly, sat outside guys, of. Me too. We sat, well, I hope so. Well, we sat outside the we sat outside the bar. What bar were we at? Um, what was that place? It had so many like tufted, upholstered chairs. I wa- I remember walking in the bathroom inside. Spent, and it was, it was like Camden. It was Camden. A Spent million Larger. different yeah. chairs. So we're sitting yeah. outside of Camden. Yeah, Spitlager is, is yeah, which is mm-hmm. amazing food. Ama- you know, um, amazing drinks. Just ah, a delicious. tough name to say, and yeah. um, and you kind of laid this thing out for us and. And I think the thing that that I really gravitate towards when I'm thinking about this whole scenario and I think about the people in our industry and why I think it's relevant to a lot of people that we that we talk to and the people that listen to this podcast is that like you took this concept and you you took it to fruition. It wasn't just one of those things like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that because like we do have a lot of dreamers in this industry like you actually made it happen. Not only did you make it happen, but you're kind of like, you know where we're making it happen? In fucking Aust- Austria. And then also, also in New Orleans, like two completely different places that you found that you kind of fell in love with. And I just, when I sit here and I think back, like, you know, do I want to know what Chris is drinking? Sure, I guess. But I'm more <laughs> so interested in being like, what's that? what's that thing that motivates both of you guys to kind of be like, let's go do this thing. And this, this makes sense on, on what we're doing as a, as a product that people want to consume. I mean, I can answer that pretty quickly. It is genuinely like, and it sounds kind of, I mean, it sounds a little bit trite and maybe cliche, but genuinely Colton Weinstein, my business partner, co-founder and I have, a total obsession fascination you know we are so committed to this industry and we just have been obsessed for years and we always felt like the best spirits are the ones that captured something from the raw materials because drinking is you know it's a common quote but drinking is an agricultural act it really is like this is agriculture we a lot of the very popular spirits out in the world these days, they do as much as they can to kind of distance themselves from the agriculture for good reason. I mean, it's not excited as much when it's commodity, two-row, whatever, but mm-hmm. it is agriculture. This stuff is made from, you know, grains, fruits, things that grow are grown by farmers in this country and in countries all over the world. And that is really important to us. And we felt like not as many people were putting in the work to connect what they were making to the materials that were used to make it, the raw materials. And that is what we cared about the most. So we decided that's going to be like the ethos, the center of this company. Um, And so that's, you know, it was a really strong force for us a really strong like driving force and it kept us going through all the difficult times and the difficult times that kind of continue to this day because of course the industry has been totally like turned upside down with the pandemic but 
I would not rather be doing anything than what I'm doing now. I love what I'm doing. I love what we're doing. I think it's a very interesting concept. I think it has so like it has legs. Like we can go all over the world constantly. People are getting in touch with us and saying like, come see what are, you know, cause it's not just about the raw materials that is really important, but it is also about the culture, the historic distilling traditions. You know, we are kind of at this precipice where I think a lot of classic historic distilling traditions are starting to phase out. And if we don't make a concerted effort to understand them and document them, they could potentially fade because the distilling industry globally is kind of becoming not entirely homogenized, but you're seeing a lot more of the same styles of spirit, you know, like gin, super saturated category. If I could go back and choose a different first product category, I wouldn't because I love our gin, but I would tell my younger self, like, be prepared because every person you take this gin to is going to be like, well, there's a lot of gins. Yeah, there's a lot of gins. And now there's gins from all over the world. But I actually think gin is such an interesting category to see examples from, from all over the world, because it's so you can so clearly take botanicals from an area and tie that product to that area. You can really get very local, very regional with the botanicals you use. And I would love, you know, I want to try a gin from Japan and India and Australia and Austria and Belgium and Nebraska and have all of those different options to choose from and to sample and see what the differences are. But now you're seeing gins from all over. And so kind of it's nice that we have this excuse to go to different places and to experience the historic distilling traditions as well as use these different like local raw materials. It is what is most interesting to us about what we do. And I think that's a great, that's a great point. And like one of the things that we talked about on this podcast a lot is provenance, right? Provenance is not just the base materials, but the people, the equipment, the outside factors that go into it. And to your point, there are more, expressions coming from different parts of the world i mean hell if you just look at my portfolio alone like a lot of the things that you had mentioned it's like yeah i got one i got gym from there yeah i got gym from there i got gym from there so when it comes to your gin and your rum what do you think you guys are doing a little bit different or maybe i guess because you know spoiler alert i love your packaging so i just want to put that out there (laughs) But thank you. Like when you when you guys are doing that, it's like what's some of the thought process behind the packaging, behind the behind the gin and the rum to really I guess accentuate that provenance and like how do you how do you convey the story? Like you said, like there's there's these deep, you know, deep rooted stories and these deep rooted traditions that are being ignored. Like, how do you do that? Like when someone's walking down the aisle of a supermarket kind of being like that fucking bottle does it for me, you know, like what what goes into that? Well, I will say like to your question of what do we do differently? I think that our greatest strength is bringing our, the expertise of myself, but really my business partner, Colton, he's just an exceptional distiller bringing that, skill and our specific taste to these places and kind of 
melding together with these distilleries. Cause obviously when we, when we come in and we go into these distilleries, they're not just like handing us the key and being like, Hey, we'll have fun. And we'll see you in a couple hours. No, like they're there. <laughs> and we welcome that. It's not exactly, we've kind of labored over this. It's not really a collaboration because they're not, we don't expect anything from them on this product selling and et cetera, but we love to have them present. We love to have the community there and to have an exchange of ideas. And so I think that is kind of what we bring to the table is our expertise, our ideas, and then also the practices, the materials that we're using specific to this location. The packaging situation. Thank you for saying that you love it, first off. I will say, <laughs> uh, full disclosure, it is heavily influenced by a series of labels that were released by, what is this? Is this a Corsair Rasputin? Holy majoli, that is an old-ass bottle. Chris is currently holding up a bottle that nobody can see online, which is proof positive that we have no idea what we're doing in this, this audio format. Where he's just ideal throwing up bottles and, for a podcast. And, and completely distracting Devin from the yeah. point. So, well, perfect. It has been a while since Another I saw Great job. I have not even, I was not even working like that particular product came and went before I even started working at Corsair. Oh, wow. It's now been And years. for the record, um, your boy Drew sells Corsair. So if you want some weird shit, oh, let me know. You know. Shit. Yes. The so keep Corsair slander to a minimum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's like you're telling me that. <laughs> I'm just telling everybody. I was in about to start my tirade against. Person. I just think in it's general. like it, it's just so apparent when you look at the two products next to each other. What lesson you learned? Like, yeah, because Corsair has dope juice, but nobody 100%. gives a shit because the label is so atrocious. It's so, so atrocious. Bad. Nobody cares. You guys want to know? Uh, I wonder if they're gonna. Man, I wonder if I can. I mean, it's out there. So, <laughs> on the um, here's a little fun fact. On the triple smoke bottle, it should be fixed now because they've they've redone their packaging. But for the longest time, on the back, they talked about how you could make a Manhattan with it, or make oh, a good no. Manhattan. But they misspelled Manhattan to manhattan they just didn't have the h in there so oh for for years did they like reordered tons of times these labels and it said you know can be enjoyed on the rocks or in a fine manhattan and we would laugh every single it would make me laugh every single time that i saw it i was just like wow it reminds Freaking me Manhattans. it reminds me of like like uh middle school kids that like you tell them it that is they're very, they're doing something like, and they art. just like they just double down and triple down and they're like no I totally meant to do that it's absolutely the thing this is what we want to do yeah, on purpose and, yeah and the more you tell them like hey you probably shouldn't do that the more like they dig their heels in that's the Corsair way <laughs> well I think okay so let me let me interrupt you guys because like we're we're pretty far into the podcast already. And, and, have we been honestly, talking wanna, about wanna, half an hour already? That's this you guys are gonna have to stop me. I have like no, no, but, but I think I think I think this is the natural progression of what this podcast has become. It's like because you know we can increasingly bring in these people who offer this really unique perspective on on the industry, and and I did pick I think story topics that 
really had at this point become more of a guideline, you know? So it's like, um, I'm drinking some cool wine from Napa, but I don't really want to talk about it. I want to talk more to, to you, Devin, because I think it's interesting and stuff like that. Chris, is your what you're drinking interesting at all to the point where we need to really stop the presses for it? No, no, no. It's it's the Corsair Rasputin. Is it Rasputin? So, 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 oh, you thing, are. So, so, so it's what we've been talking about. Okay, so now okay. let me just just let me do this quick transition. We're going to bring Devin back in to really kind of bring it down for us. So this is our opinion on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. You want to say that again? Nope. Do it. Okay, so the the story that we originally had laid out was talking about how the biggest supplier in the world, Diageo, is unable to keep up with the demand of what's happening in spirits today. So they have. So they multiple, say. Yeah. So yeah. So they say. That's that's a great note. Um, so you know we're talking about brands like Johnny Walker, uh, Don Julio, Captain Captain Morgan, Tangeray, things like this, and. They're saying that like they just simply because of time frames, they can't keep up with it. And you know, if you're looking at it from a surface level, you say like, okay, cool, yeah, like maybe Don Julio does have requirements in terms of what can be a reposado, what can be an añejo, and then extra añejo, and so on and so on. But you know, I think there's so many products in this world. And when I saw it, I was thinking about you, Devin, and like your like what you guys are trying to do and what you're, what you're striving for. And I guess my question was like, you know, sometimes with these time constraints that you legitimately do have, whether it's like bourbon whiskey, scotch whiskey, tequila, as a vagabond distillery, do you look at vagabond? Well, I mean, vagabond can be used. Do you look at, do you look at age spirits and is this something that you guys are interested in? And then with that interest, does it start at fermentation distillation or does it start at the aging process? One, two, three, go. Okay. So this is obviously something that we thought about a lot. We continue to think about it a lot. It comes up when we're talking to each other. It comes up when we're talking to other people. It's a topic of conversation. Of course, as people who make spirits, we are interested in spirits that are aged for some duration of time it genuinely is not my I don't love a strong barrel character new oak spirits spirits aged in new charred American oak never were my favorite because I find that overwhelming barrel character to be a little bit like a good rum most of the time I don't think I would want it in a new oak aged in a new oak a bourbon, not going to be my thing that I go to first. So genuinely, I am as a person, and I would say Colton as well, we are interested in spirit character. We're interested in the process of fermentation and then distillation and the byproduct of that, as well as age spirits. But of course, it poses a very interesting logistical question, because how do we age when we are on the go? We do not have a distillery. We do not have a warehouse. It's not impossible. We could go the Jefferson's Ocean route and just throw it on a boat, sail it around the world a couple times, see what happens. I mean, shoot, you just 
right now, you like you wouldn't even have to like schedule it to be around the world a few times. I mean, with shipping as right? it is right now, you just put it on a boat and like maybe in a year. Yeah, I just since. <laughs> so this is, this is Long Angeles. Beach age. It'll be there for like two years. <laughs> we won't be able to get it off fast enough. I can't even do anything about it. It's just got to be out there. Well, um, let, me, let me ask you this: like when it comes to when yeah. it comes to that, I mean, like the you know, I I I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think the what you guys are doing is so terroir focused, right? So it's yeah. about it's a it's about having that new make spirit in the most purest form. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, you know, like you guys aren't billionaires. You're not philanthropists trying to just like do cool shit. Like you need to make more money. And it's Very like much so. you know, it's like when you when you look at that and you look at the industry as a whole and the, and both Chris and I know this from the you know, retail and the distributor standpoint, it's just kind of like, it's like, okay, you have these two unaged products that are legitimately for our listeners at home. Like these are, these are awesome. Like these are so much fun. And I really do think that people need to need to put them in their mouth as soon as possible. Get your but, mouths on these bottles. Yeah. But it's like, when you're looking at it from, you know, like the marketing perspective, which I know you guys have to take into account, it's just kind of like, you know, when you're approaching, you know, distributors across the United States, whereas like, you know, California, maybe they're more open to it, but maybe Iowa is kind of like, what are you talking about? You only have unaged rum or, or anything like that. Yeah. Like, what, what kind of goes into the mindset? There? Oh yeah. Cause that's what Diageo is dealing with right now is that they, yeah. they have this big stock of stuff and people want more aged product. And this is the biggest company in the world and they can, and according to this report, they cannot satisfy what people want. And I will say on that tip real quick, just to all suppliers, producers, distillers out there, it must feel nice to know that Diageo can't even get it right. Like as far as planning (laughs) and (laughs) strategizing production versus when it's going to be ready, which is a very common, you know, it's a constant struggle for distillers. You're trying to especially when, you know, it is an investment you're, you're putting down these barrels, you're, that's all money that you're not going to see a return on for a couple of years, but you do so with the intention. So you kind of have to ride a line of exactly how much you think you're going to need versus how much is going to sell. Cause you don't want to make too much, but you don't want to make too little. So it's complicated to do that alone. It is obviously going to be even more complicated to do that as a nomadic distilling operation, but I have absolute faith that we can work something out. And I think also we would probably only used, use a neutral oak. And if we did, we wouldn't age them for an excessive amount of time to start. We would probably maybe do like a rum and a neutral oak, something like that. Um, maybe I do really like rye. So maybe a rye whiskey and a new oak. Um, but to your question of kind of, balancing our intuition and what the market seems to want, the trends that we see. It's a tough act. It is a tough thing to do um, because it seems like what we get so excited about as distillers rarely matches up, lines up perfectly with what seems to be trending. But I will also say I don't know if there's a perfect answer because like coming to, you know, retailers, bars, a little bit distributors, talking to people, bringing out two clear spirits, one's a gin, saturated category, but 
I do think ours is unique. And then one is a botanical rum, super undeveloped subcategory that people are still kind of like wrapping their minds around. If Yeah, we hear, we have reactions to both of those products. But if I brought out like a tequila and a bourbon, I still think that people would be like, that's really saturated. Like what is so special about yours that we need to have that? It might not be the case. There certainly would be accounts that would probably be interested just purely because these are categories that people are asking for. But I don't think it would be as easy as we make the hot spirit and it sells like hotcakes and then, you know, we're millionaires. I don't think it would be that easy, even if we went in that direction. Maybe I'm just saying that because we didn't go in that direction. I don't want to feel bad. You're trying to justify it to yourself. Trying to justify the decision that we made. And I mean, like, (laughs) I know, I remember... I also write for a spirits magazine and I interviewed um, Kartik from Phenomenal Spirits. We are aware Ranazalco. of young Kartik. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He was at Rumfest. He gave me a shirt. I was working. It's his more booth. than the shirts I've gotten. Yeah. Y'all didn't get any shirts? It's too no. bad. Oh, no, Should I got a shirt. Him and then, I'll wow. text him right now and be like, where's my extra shirt? Where's my you know? shirt? <laughs> yeah. Also, that shirt is he, fantastic. It's a like it's like one of those like it baseball is. shirts. It is. It's like a baseball uh, tee. Yeah. yeah. And then it's got I the told him I was like the Rye 3 patch on it. It's fucking clean, man. Yeah. I told him it's that. It's a I, nice shirt. High quality. Kartik, Kartik reached out to me early on in this process and he just was like, he's like, you know, hey, what do you think of like swag and stuff? I was like, I was like, there's two, there's two things of swag that I think make a lot of sense. One yeah. of them. I am is, really excited by this conversation because I have the, lots of thoughts. <laughs> is lots. the three is the three quarter T right of the baseball shirts? Like I think those are fucking awesome. And the other one that I think is that I think is awesome is pens. If you can create pens. just a ton of pens, like that's that's what I mean. That's you what the can create wants. a ton of pens. That's definitely a possibility. There's a way yes. for you to create a ton of pens. Yeah. I was gonna say hats. I feel like hats are pretty. I'm not anti hat. As someone with a with a ridiculous amount of hats, I totally get it. But I think like in terms of like you know what's your what's your like drip process, you know, for yeah. marketing, right? And like when yeah. you have a pen that <laughs> like you, know, you that you pull out because like we all know that like when you work in this industry, like people steal pens like it's the most valuable thing on the planet. Oh, you know? for sure. You know, so it's like, oh, you just went home with a Ron and Zalco pen or you went home with a Rye 3 pen or now I got seven more I got to pull out, you know. Yeah. Like that person who was a server who, you know, was a bar back is now a bar manager. Kind of be like, yeah, there I've seen go. that. Because, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, I've seen that you know, so it's like, it's like, I've seen that brand before. It must be somewhat relevant. It's kind of like, yeah, that was that drip method from years of you just looking at a, at a, at a thing. Um, Chris, let me ask you, man. So, like, you know, you, you know, I don't think there's any secret that, you're not necessarily the biggest supporter of Diageo. And I would have to assume that there's not a whole lot of, you know, empathy that goes out to the fact like, Oh no, you don't have enough tequila. But yeah, I do want to just say like (laughs) smallest violin ever for Diageo. (laughs) Oh no, you did so well over the pandemic that you like sold out of most of your stock. I'm really fucking sad for you no right offense. right you're like, you're like oh the no fine the most, the yeah the you, most but... dominant spirits company in the world is like struggling uh, yeah, for i mean that was to... like, we that... sold so much spirit <laughs> that was, the, that was part, of the, part of the article that, that we were reading right like their sales were down five percent 
for the year because they sold too much? I was so confused by it. Like, was it because they sold so much <laughs> last year? I was like, well, that's, that's what though. I really do wish that this article, I'm going to let you obviously respond to the question that was posed to you, Chris, but I do want to <laughs> say really quickly Thanks. that I wish there was a lot of numbers in this piece that were thrown out there. But the one figure that I would have loved to see is like, what was your stock this year? versus where it was two years like what what is the actual depletion rate what is it like how much less do you have because well, if you don't this give article, me that they will i'm kind of feeling like you're just crying wolf 100 i i mean there is not a reality where diageo gives that information away like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Are you kidding me? Like, they are Definitely so not. tight on their narrative through and through uh, that they're they're never going to let that, let that info go. You know, and to Drew's point, like, I don't, I don't sell a lot of Diageo, but I do sell Diageo. And there's, there's quite a few things now that Diageo owns and has purchased over the years and has um, invested in. Um, that I do sell. I sell quite a bit of, I mean, we talked, we talked a great deal about it and I, I made a big deal out of it. Um, but our Westward, um, Westward barrel pick or, um, um, Not barrel, barrel well, collaboration, they're, yeah. they're partially owned by Diageo. They received Diageo investment yeah. money. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Chris, like, can I, can I interject for a second here? Because I do means. have, I mean, you're going to do, I do anyway, have, so. I do have those numbers in front of us. Right. What? In terms of like what the growth is like over the past year, because I'm one of those Robinhood investors. So, okay. um, well, growth, but Diageo, not numbers. Oh, but I'm saying now. it's like, but in terms of like, because again, like stock is always an indicator. It's like the happiness scale for rich people, right? So, uh-huh. um, in a lot of situations, this is. I mean, you know, you got to keep in mind there there was a pandemic and stuff like that. But since over the last year, um. Diageo is up $42 on their stock price just from what they were at this time last year versus what they're at this time. Now, this I year. don't know stocks then, very well, but that seems like a lot. Well, it it, it is, especially in an economy that, that has, you know, you that's you know, struggled to <laughs> Siri survive. Got real mad at you. <laughs> yeah, so you got this is where Diageo Now, if you do a now if you do a 5-year um estimation, the 5-year on that is uh diageo is up 96 dollars um it's uh you know so so wait 42 that, in the last year and then like 96 in the last five 96 over the past over the past five over the past year um you know if i'm going to show you guys my phone a lot of green there a lot of a lot of green okay. it's not a lot of green that i'm terrible years. at yeah. investing yeah. but this one's all green so yeah <laughs> it's just uh that looks i don't again i don't know much but that upward trend looks i'll tell you it's a terrible time to buy (laughs) yeah (laughs) well actually no it's not because um, because uh they're right now is what people are referring i I mean this is all learning and again i'm are we transitioning into a stocks podcast it feels like it and drew talks so much shit when i tried to when i tried to start a market (laughs) watch segment on this podcast 
He got reason, so mad at the me, reason, and now he's and now he's like full bore. Like going the reason all that the market watch the, the reason that market watch didn't work was because you clearly did not prepare for it at any point. Like that was I disagree. Like was, I made an it was amazing a, sound bite that went at the beginning. <laughs> that was a disagree. That took a lot of effort. Disagree. I, I I need to hear this. Sound it was bite beautiful. At some point. Just. Like yeah, if you I'm go really you go back to it, you kind of be like, this guy is not the person we should be listening to. And <laughs> it, it was, was just like it was beautiful. Yeah. I disagree. Good idea, tough execution. There it sounds like my life. There, there it is. Right there. So <laughs> it shows you hard data. I mean I'm sorry. I just like but just to give you guys a sense, like for as much as Jaja thinks they're struggling, like they're still up, you know, in a market I, in a market that's not well, up even, right now. Even even in this yes. article, they, they you know the, one of the things that they talked about was, uh, and the quote that they got from Diageo was like, "Well, even though we haven't sold out, like it's not a bad thing, or even though we sold right. out, it's not a bad thing." It's like, of course, it's not a bad well, thing. You fucking sold out, man. Like, I isn't that the that's, point? Okay, just because your maybe forecasting was a little being, off. But. <laughs> maybe I'm just being skeptical slash a conspiracy theorist but i i feel like when i first read it i felt like a large takeaway that we're supposed to have out after this is that diageo is intending to raise their prices in the near yep. future i had the same yep. exact same exact vibe that felt like actually the most important mm-hmm. point of that right to the piece. veneer totally yeah. yes absolutely big time yeah i mean they and even i said think it. like we're gonna see that they did say it they said it they kind of threw it in there mm-hmm. and they're like, mm, mm-hmm. ah, that's going to happen. And then they kind of <laughs> continued with more stuff. But I felt like, wow, like that is, and to be fair, I think we're going to see that across the board. I think like from everything I've heard with the supply chain issues, tons of, you know, everybody's seeing like 25% increases on their supplies prices. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously going to filter down to the consumer. Yeah. So prices are going to rise, but that really felt like the meat of the piece. Yeah, I, I like, mean, I, I mean, I it's going to be more and, expensive. And I think that's like that's something that we struggle with as distributors, right? Like I had a conversation today where one of our brands has gone through three price increases over the past year and a half, you know, and, you know, the the other thing that we're doing is like we're going around to chain stores because we've been put responsible for them. And part of that responsibility is explaining to them, you need to order more because what you're doing right now is not enough and it's costing us money, you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough conversation um, to have. And, and I think the, the reality of the scenario is, is like, it's very hard for things to increase in cost and then go back down. Yeah, it's like, impossible. Never yeah. 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 So, um, you know, over the, I, I mean, I mean, hell, the, the basis of this, of this pace, of this, of this podcast was, um, you know, the tariffs going on to Scotch whiskey, right? Single malt Scotch right. whiskey. And there was a point where it was like, okay this is going to increase exponentially. And then it did. And some brands didn't, and some brands did. And then eventually like everything kind of got figured out between the administration of the United States and, and the UK. And guess yeah. what? Those prices did Those not prices, go back down. No even sir. though, 
Mm-hmm. Those those tariffs were no longer a factor. Like I just bought a bottle of Highland Park 12 the other day and I oh, bought it at pre-tariff prices because the account didn't know better. And you looked it up and it was like, if I would have bought that at a different place, like a total wine that, you know, they have their finger on the pole. So I was moving through a lot more product. It would have been 30 more dollars for what I bought. Like that is such a significant it's it's it is a little bit uh, it's scary not scary but it is a little bit concerning to think about what is that going to do what is that doing to the industry at large because we have the increase on scotch whiskey prices from the tariffs and then we had an increase uh, across the board on a lot of american whiskeys from Mm -hmm. just you know i think it was talk about also the limited availability stuff and tariff stuff with that as well. So that went up and now we have things like basically a promise that Don Julio, Lagavulin and Crown Royal are about to have to see price increases. So the whole industry is going up and I mean, the craft side is going to do it as well, but yeah, it makes me nervous because it's like I when that stuff happens, I feel like people are going to get a little bit scared and they're going to go towards value. They're not going to turn towards different, you know, offerings that they maybe haven't tried before. What I mean, I think, think I think there's I think there's a lot of validity to that concern. But I think what has happened over the last two years where people have been limiting on their spending habits, it's that like it's changed a lot of the consumer, right? Like the consumer is more educated now than they ever have been before. And I think it falls on, you know, your distributors, your suppliers, you know, yourself included here. It's like, how do I take this product and set, and set it apart from, from the rest? Now, I mean, like, yeah, sure. I mean, there's going to be those people who go for the economy brands and, and stuff like that, but like at no point were you ever competing with them. Right. That's very true. Yeah. That wasn't your key, you know, your ideal target audience person. Yeah. Consumer, customer. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next subject because we're we're pushing the we're pushing the clock right now and we want to make sure that we get all the right. But I would like to just quickly say on that topic, as uncertain it is and all the implications, like it is good to remind ourselves that again, these things are agricultural byproducts. It comes from a finite source. We are not guaranteed an infinite availability of all of these things at any time. And sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of that because it's it's a little bit, we get very far away from that. Again, the agriculture, like we get so far away from that and from the fact that this has to be made from a source. And it's kind of nice to remember that. But maybe I'm only saying that because I don't drink Don Julio. (laughs) I do like Lagavulin, but I haven't bought a bottle in a while. And so it doesn't really affect my buying habits. Could be. (laughs) Okay, so in our next topic, which I don't think that we're going to elicit as much response to it because it's a little bit more pie in the sky, but... Um, there is. Oh, I a, have thoughts. Oh, <laughs> shocking have thoughts. development. Um, I have hot takes. There is a uh, researchers in the Penn State Department of Behavioral Healthy uh, Health that have measured intoxication with an ankle bracelet that can detect alcohol concentration 
from imperceptible amounts of sweat. And basically what they're setting out to do is to create a method where uh, depending on your size or your height and weight, you will be drinking to the point where your this bracelet will basically notify you like, hey, bro, time to chill out because you're about to take it to the next level. Um, you know, I think that there's this movement towards hyper awareness when it comes to drinking and knowing that like when you are drinking too much or when you're not. And there's also um, in different articles, states that are looking into a scenario where five years from now, and even in California, where it's like, you're going to have a breathalyzer in your car regardless. It doesn't matter if you have a history of drinking and driving. Um, And I just think that they're trying to get more of a handle on it. Uh, So Devin, as you just pointed out, you have many thoughts on bracelets that tell you if you're drinking too much. Like what are your thoughts when it comes to this article and kind of our industry moving forward? Um, I felt like, so first off, I'm going to preface this by saying that I don't, I've had experiences where I've definitely thought like, ah, I drink a little bit too much that night, you know, don't feel great about it. But I, I wouldn't say that I've ever dealt with an addiction to alcohol. So that aside, so I can only kind of come from that perspective of not having dealt with that. But this focus on, yeah, like you said, like a, a heightened awareness of how inebriated you are. It is, I'm sure it is obviously rooted in legitimate and um, like a concerned perspective, but I think that this type of thing would backfire terribly. I mean, unless you have like an option to have this on your Apple Watch and you can decide whether or not it's going to be like a judgmental reaction to how much you're drinking like can you have it say like hey hey, you're getting pretty drunk you're getting there but you know like i want my watch to come at me and just be like you sure you want another one (laughs) just be really passive aggressive about it Either that, or I want a setting that's like you're almost there. You're Blackout so close. In three, two, one. <laughs> Blast off! You just I mean, take that I last shot, that... and your watch just vibrates and says good night. <laughs> your watch just like sends out a text to all of your friends, and is like, "You need to get Rhonda an Uber home because she's about to be asleep on the floor." <laughs> Is Ron, is Rhonda the name of your your your, uh, your drunk like alter ego? <laughs> alter ego, yeah, yeah. That's she's fantastic. Rhonda for sure. She's Rhonda. She's Rhonda. That's also <laughs> that's that's you know when Rhonda's arrived, she makes an entrance. But yeah, I mean, I think that the concept of knowing exactly how inebriated you are through like an app on your watch to me sounds unappealing as a blanket not appealing at all i get how it could i mean it's an interesting idea it's a cool concept i suppose and it's like an interesting feat for science and but i it just feels like it would so quickly backfire because what happens if anything amiss happens throughout your night and then there's this information that solidifies that you were inebriated that feels like it would 
be potentially able like somebody could use it against you again maybe i'm just too much of like a a skeptic no i'm I'm right there with you actually and i i feel like especially with what we know with um data and how it gets used and sold and left and right anything like that like there's no way this ends up in a good place um how can it be good to have how can it be good to have like data that shows that you're a raging alcoholic no i mean it, it just seems like a bad idea to have this data that tells you exactly how much you've had to drink and i also think i mean the elephant in the room we, is also that we're all admitting that we drink too much <laughs> or, or we're all we're all afraid that we drink too much no, no. so we're all like, i know i drink too i don't much. want to touch that it's fine <laughs> On occasion, yeah, I mean, it's kind of comes with the territory. Thank God my doctor doesn't listen to this podcast. Like Drew said, how I mean, pour one out for all the times that I went to an account intending to get work done or be productive, and then two of my friends walked in, and I was like, oh, well, now I have to sit here and drink with these people for the next five hours. That has happened. Yeah, I I mean, and I I definitely, I mean – you know, I think it's I think it's so relevant because it's legitimately what happened to me tonight. Um, exactly. You know, I get where you guys are coming from, and I think that the, I I mean, I guess if you look at it from like a devil's advocate standpoint or or whatever, is that sometimes we really do benefit from accountability, right? So if you're sitting there saying to yourself, "Hey, I want to lose weight," or "I want to do this," or "I want to do that," or Oh, you know, like having somebody who is, you know, texting you or emailing you or messaging you, calling you every single day to remind you of those things like, you know, could could be beneficial. And if this is something that, you know, I, I mean, like anything else, like if it's optional, like, great, you know, cool. I'm sitting yeah. here wearing my Apple watch. And when I get to my fifth gin and tonic, they're like, all right, bud, you have you have honored the uk enough it is time to stop you know time like to move on to like mexico it's time, yeah, you need to drink something you need he to drink something different i mean i will, I will say, say like, yeah hit me harder that was a good i'm glad that you brought up diet culture because i think that's actually a very good comparison in my next hot take which is that i actually <laughs> think that relying on a device to tell you when you've had enough is not a sustainable approach to having a healthy relationship with either food or alcohol. Like that is a, I don't think that's integrated into a healthy lifestyle. Well, but I mean like, but if you're, but if you're talking about like the, the, you know, the health, you know, industry in general, I mean, I don't think there's many things that are really healthy. Right. So, so it's kind of like the next big thing we're kind of like, okay, well, not only am I only eating in four-hour windows, but I have my alcohol bit right here that keeps me in check. You know, this to, person to do that. sounds like the worst person. It's true. So this it's like it's gonna be like, literally everybody. It's, it's gonna be everybody <laughs> this, in two years. This intermittent know? faster who's got the alcohol nanny app on their watch nanny's like a derogatory term but the alcohol (laughs) tracker watch 
on their wrist. Oh my god! If you could have your your alcohol like... tracker sound like Fran Drescher, <laughs> game over. Can anybody do a good Fran Drescher? I can't. Wait, wait what's my the name? god? I would say the... <laughs> my. <laughs> if you can't do the laugh, you can't do it. If you I can't do the laugh, you can't head. do it. Yeah, <laughs> but I also think in what the is year... the what is the guy's name? Like I, Daniel or Michael or something. I don't know. I would say in in the year 2022, the year of our Lord, nobody knows who the fuck Fran Dresser is. So what? I, uh, no, everyone, everyone's I disagree. Hundred percent. Are you kidding fired. me? They just put the just, nanny on a streaming service. I just don't think that. I mean, like, I I understand where you guys are coming from in terms of that reference point, but like, I just feel like that really falls short for. I disagree. Most what? People. You think that your audience in all twenty three countries doesn't recognize the nanny? Definitely yes. in all twenty three countries. Yeah, yeah that yeah. that argument yeah, falls and, short. And, and, <laughs> And there, and the, and the reason, and the reason Out that I feel all. this way, is that last week we were sitting at Good Bottle, the physical location of Good Bottle, which you find yourself somewhere. Mm-hmm. Please go and visit. And we Super were cool. talking with um, the very talented, the very provocative, the oh. most amazing person at that shop, Carrie. And she Gary. was talking about Kerrigan. I thought you were going to talk about, about yourself. No, well, I mean, I, that happens <laughs> I too for a close I second to Yvonne. Um, wondering the she was she was just talking about like different things and how how they apply and then like what resonates with different people. And she mentioned how you know her brother like this really resonates with him and he's so much older. And it was like fuck, her brother is my age. Carrie's in her mid twenties is so much more mature than all of us cares herself much, much better than that. But it was just kind of like, it was like, it's like, yeah, she's not going to fucking know who friend dresser is. Like, she's not going to get that I, reference, you know? I, and, I don't and think, I think that's Carrie true. I think she, you're who. not giving her enough credit. Yeah, I think Carrie. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a credit thing. I think it's a generational Sheffield. thing. That, <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> Hell yes! Listen, you if, you t- if you, you don't do it. the if you don't do the left, it just Hell. it doesn't count. Also, okay. Now we now we never we, we never remember when we issue these challenges. So like we end up getting a bunch of text messages that confuse us when we get them. But I'll okay. say this to our listeners: if you think that you can give us a good friend dresser laugh oh. impersonation, text it to us. Dude, Whether it's yes. Chris. Or, or myself. Oh, text please. It to us. Oh, my God. I and want to on Instagram and at me. Or, or yeah, we'll, or, or do it to Devin. Like, send us a video, send us a text, send us audio, whatever the case may be, of you doing a friend dresser laugh. And then, based on that, we'll decide whether or not it's culturally relevant. Because this is where everything gets decided. It's on the Good Bottle podcast, whether something's culturally Gauntlet relevant. Gauntlet is thrown. <laughs> Wait. Are we like, is this just transitioning into a pop culture podcast now i mean when you drink enough everything's pop culture so yes i feel like that's that's honestly where you guys are headed it's just <laughs> a general pop culture podcast. i just want to be a meme that's all i want to be you just want to be a yeah. meme this would be a meme. i've been there Done it. have you not thrown that challenge to your listeners you to must. turn drew into a meme that'll that'll be when we become a little bit more relevant Oh, you hit like 25 countries. Deal. <laughs> you know who's dope? Them over there. 
So speaking of pop culture, pop culture, this is what we do. This is what we live for. These are the things that we want. We want to tell you who to follow, who to check out. This is our dope follows of the week. Devin, kick us off. Who should people okay. be following? Who should they check out? What do you got for us? I have two. Is that Perfect. acceptable? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. They're both on Instagram. Get on it or don't, I guess, at this point. <laughs> um, so the first one, and I went on recently, and I see that there's not been as many podcast or posts recently, but there's still a large backlog of great posts is at for the cocktail culture on Instagram or do it for the cocktail culture, which is a great account started by Lashana Daniels. It's all about sharing black history through cocktails, T A L E S. So Lashana, when the pandemic started, she started this Instagram account where she was taking, um, like classic cocktails and kind of riffing on them to tell stories of black figures, notable black people in our history. And I just think she does a beautiful job of putting the information together. She makes really great cocktail recipes. And I just, I think that it's beautifully done and a really interesting and cool way to, to just share information. So at for the cocktail culture, do it for the cocktail culture. I see that she is now TM'd do it for the cocktail culture. Good for her. She's really made it. Have you guys TM'd good bottle yet? No, it's usually a lot of paperwork and signs that we Got do. Signs. You know. <laughs> a lot of signs. She's signs. I don't like signs. I can't even I can't even I can't even get Chris <laughs> to create a fucking Facebook page for us or like a or website off his own website. He's like, we don't know how to do it like verbatim. Mm. So Yeah. Um, so that's a no. Wow. We're sitting on a gold then, mine. Wow. <laughs> we're sitting on we're sitting on a gold mine and we can't capitalize on it. Fucking like for the worst. Throwing me right under the bus there. Right under the bus. I am I am so technologically uh, inept. Like really, the fact that we've yes. gotten this far is pure luck. A miracle. It really is. Say. Yep. Fact. Yeah. On thirty fourth street. Yeah. I mean, you guys should potentially hey. Christmas is over. All right. Christmas <laughs> all is year over. long, baby. I don't want to hear that shit for the next 10 months. Okay. It's over. Um, my next dope follow is at D Garrison six. Oh, wait, whoops. That's just Drew's. But Drew actually has some legit like uh, memes on here. I don't what? know if people are following you. That you is lovely. Memes. Don't do this. You got some good memes on there. You know the funny his thing sto- about Drew's about, stories about that. Are, is where it's at. Like his posts suck, but his his suck. stories are yeah. what's up. That's the gold mine. I think yeah. it's like it's the happy medium. And the funny thing is, is that I do actually workshop a lot of the posts on Chris. <laughs> and like if Chris laughs at it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. I can I can post this. That's so, making um, it into the feed. It's a uh, well, thank you. It's a very that's, low bar. That's really awesome. Yeah, that it was actually um, it was mostly a joke. But you do have some good memes <laughs> on there. <laughs> I 
actually also I would recommend a just genuine meme account called at good cocktails. Mm-hmm. You guys follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Agreed. I love some hospitality specific memes. Really takes me back to my serving days and never fails to make me laugh. And this one's good. They do a great job. I agree. They do a real good job. 100% agree. 100% agree. Okay, Chris, who are are your dub follows? Uh, I'm I'm going uh, off the the radar here uh, tonight uh, because our longtime listeners know that I usually throw everything out uh, pretty much from Instagram because I'm an Instagram whore. Um, But (laughs) uh, tonight, I I really wanted to... um, I'm a little bit more of a um, mood, you know. I'm I'm like uh, feeling feeling uh, like like you know things are touching me a little bit different tonight, and it's uh, it's good. So uh, I (laughs) I'm not putting out because if that's that's how Rico Suave you think you are, this is not working. What? Things are touching things. you differently. Uh, sounds. <laughs> sounds are touching me differently. <laughs> anyway. Has, I, uh, has Chris been hugged recently? Not enough. sounds are touching him. Not enough. Not, no. not in the right way, apparently. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, it is a song uh, by uh, Leon Bridges. The song is Beyond. I love Leon Bridges. Uh I, I love his like very soul, very classic um, s- stylings. Stylings that make me sounds very old. Just in that, um, but uh, I, I was listening to his music tonight, and uh, he uh, this song. Not only do I uh, I always pick up my daughter and make her dance with me to this song, uh, which is <laughs> great. She she actually really likes dancing with me, which is pretty fantastic because done it since the day she was born um the day she was born yeah yeah like the day she was born when i was able to pick her up and hold her hold her we danced it was great um uh but there's a there's a line in this song uh it says uh, i know that grandma would have loved her like she was her own and um uh, the song is about you know love of your life but uh Carmela, my daughter, is actually named after my grandmother, and so that that line always like hits me in a very uh, special spot. Uh, and uh, so tonight, I'm just I, I'm feeling a little more sentimental, and uh, I like this uh, this song. So I'm saying let's let's do that. That's that's my pick for tonight. Aww. Now you guys can't play the song here. No, uh, we'll get sued for reasons of copyright, right? And also, right, you know, could, being technologically, you can all just imagine. <laughs> it's mostly that it's mostly that no. i don't i don't think that we're at a point where we're gonna get ding yet because there's already things on this podcast that we could get ding for um but i haven't got you yet yeah not yet we're obviously not big time enough but i think everybody should check out that song so um so i also have two uh two falls i think people should check out uh, one of them is kind of a retread, but um, but the first one that I actually came across yesterday was uh, Burger and Wines on Instagram, and I think this is a really uh, really you know kind of cool account to check out because um, this is someone who has decided to highlight all of the black owned um, 
wineries over over the over the course of February, and um, and so the the person running it, her name is Janelle, and she's uh, she's got a level two W set, and so she obviously knows what she's talking about, and I just think that you know these are conversations that Chris and I have had a lot over the past couple of years, where I think we've gotten. Or at least I know for myself, I don't want to talk, I don't want to speak for Chris, but it's like, you know, you get so caught up in a lot of these different brands in these different places like Mexico, like the Caribbean and things like that, where you're trying to um, emphasize who the producers are and highlight them and stuff like that. And we have people in our own backyard who are also doing amazing stuff and not getting the shine that they deserve. And, uh, and that's something that I've tried to change in my personal narrative. It's like being exposed to that. And I think, um, with what Janelle's doing, she's like, she's like really, she already listed out all the different wineries that she's going to highlight over the next month. And then with each day, she's giving a more in-depth dive on that. So again, that's, that's burger and wines. Um, it just seems like a really awesome account, um, she's based out of Washington DC. Like I would actually love to really have her on the podcast and just talk to her more about it. So, so check that one out. And then um, kind of in the same vein, it's a, it's a new TV show that I actually just came across and it's called uh grand crew and grand crew is uh, something I've just been watching on Hulu. So I, I admittedly cannot tell you what network it's on because I just watched it on Hulu. It could be any one of the major ones. But it's just a group of friends who are, uh, you know, kind of going through the daily life. And it's funny because it starts off because it's all black friends and they're talking about like, you know, hey, we have these stereotypes of, you know, what what people should be or what black men should be. And it kind of disrupts all this throughout throughout the show. But what really stood out to me was um, um, the the highlighting of black owned vineyards. And so last year, one of the vineyards that we actually highlighted was the, the, um, the Theopolis vineyards. And there's a poster in the show, like during one of the scenes, like in the background, I'm like, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like they're getting a little bit of a rub and they make really good wine. So um, there's, I guess there's a bunch of other vineyards that, that are featured in it. Cause they actually meet at a wine bar pretty consistently throughout like kind of like the weaving of the storyline. But, um, but that was just one that I was, I was like, Hey, I know what that is. I've had it. It's great wine. Um, so check it out. So those are, so those are my two. Um, they're just, you know, again, ex- expose yourself to different producers, expose yourself to different types of narratives. And um, you just are going to be a more well, well-rounded person. So those are my dope follows. And I think overall, very, very, very dope follows this week. Very. Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the Moore Brothers and produced relatively well by these two guys. Before we go and kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And I wish I could pull up my script, and I can't. Well, it's all right. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Good Bottle Podcast. You can also support the podcast. And uh, Drew's need to uh, always have his script on hand. 
uh, uh, by donating or buying from our uh, Etsy shop, which is, uh, you can find the link in our Good Bottle Instagram uh, bio. Uh, or you can check us out on anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast. And if you would like we to have, we have, no, no, we have some really great things on the Etsy. You can check them out. So, so please do. We're doing, we're doing all kinds of fun stuff. Devin, if people want to talk to you or they want to talk to you about what you guys are doing, or maybe your, you know, affection for cats that you just brought into the zoom call, <laughs> like how, how can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me. Oh man. So many ways. Uh, obviously you can find me online, um, at Devin Trevathan, D E V O N T R E V A T H A N. You can find my business page at Liba spirits, L I B A S P I R I T S. Please follow us. See what we're doing. Get in touch. If you've got thoughts about <clears throat> distilling all over the world, the practices, all that. But um, you can also and go to our website. Like, tell us how to do our jobs. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, do you know how it works? Because we're curious. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing it. You know, it was it was a weird thing to do. Um, it was a weird model to embark with, and there was obviously not a lot of like playbooks to follow because it's not something that has been done a lot recently but i think we're you know we're figuring it all out um and then you can go to our website libaspirits.com l-i-b-a-s-p-i-r-i-s-p-i-r-i-t-s.com um and yeah there's tons of contact info on there you can email us um yeah get in touch let me know your thoughts you know i love feedback Talk to oh. me about cats. That's not even my cat, by the way. It's my roommate's cat, but yeah, uh, that's right. And cool. uh, this just in: it's official. <laughs> Carrie knows who Fran Drescher is. Oh, oh yes. See, well, you have little faith. I can't believe you really did not. You really underestimated the lasting cultural significance of the nanny. She's legitimately a child. I don't have any regrets about guessing that Carrie would not know who Fran Dresser is. Like, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's she, she's it's not a child. She works in my store. On. Not a child. Over 21. I swear to God. Legitimately, you hear that, everybody? Legitimately, a child works at the Good Bottle Shop. She's, she's a legitimate child. She might be a child, but she's also super dope. So if you do have the she's privilege of meeting child. Carrie. You can talk to her about all the dope spirits that she knows about. And then apparently Fran Dresser as well, because I don't fucking believe this for a second, but I guess that's a thing. Hell yeah. Fran Dresser, the nanny is a style icon, as well as being a very good show. But. I just feel like we're reaching at straws now. Um, Chris, do you think there's anything that people should email us at? <laughs> if you would like for us to cover a story. Or if you are working with a brand that wants to be featured, please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also purchase some of these bottles that we drank on the episode tonight, which we didn't even talk about Chris and I's, but definitely drink some Liba Spirits. Definitely. Um, visit yeah. thegoodbottleshop.com. Because I, I also don't them. like making money. Chris carries them. I do. Because uh, he does it for the love. That's right. Oh, love. my God. Well, hey, you guys. Cheers. Cheers. For the love of the business.
Devin, you're the best. And I want to share my origin nice. story with you after this. Or- as soon as it stops recording. origin story? Yeah. What is your origin like, story? It's your origin story with me. And my impression what? of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happening. As if you were like so goes, evil, just... evil, like, uh, like a superhero or some shit. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. So this goes like off a alive. No more. Nemesis.